meeting today. I think we're good to roll today. It's good to see you. We have uh, a couple of young people who are working in the back in the sound booth today. Uh, elementary and high school kid, right? Working in the back, learning to do things. So can we tell them thank you, right? question, right? No question. Without question. But the reality of it is, is that it's good to see some young people who say, you know what, I've never done that before. Like, I'll give it a go, right? And so we are welcoming the fact, we got a microphone now, look at that. Uh, we're welcoming the fact that, hey, there might be a few glitches, right? But guess what? God's bigger than that, and that's okay. We're going to learn as we go, all right? This morning, we're starting this new message series entitled Now and Later. And I jokingly said, it's not about candy, okay? I had a, a young person who saw that list last week, and they said, are you giving out candy, right? And I, and I said, well, it's not trick-or-treat time, but I always accept candy, okay, right? Like, so we might not be giving it to you, but you can give it back to me if you'd like. And we're not doing that today, but instead what we're going to be looking at this morning is we're going to dive right into this two-week series on community. We're going to see what it means for us to have authentic relationship with one another, but also what it means to have relationship with God. Now, when we talk about this authentic relation piece and, and understanding this word community, this word community has been almost overused in every realm of the church and Christianity in some way, right? It's, that it's one of those buzzwords that really came to the surface uh, 10, uh, 5, 10 years ago and just continually abused and beat up, right? Now, now, the problem there is, is just because it's been abused and beat up by man doesn't mean it's not biblical. It just means we have to usher it in in a way that helps us understand a little more clearly. For some of you, maybe heard it this way. They said, I want to experience true community, right? I've heard people say that in the church, and to be very fair, with great love, they had no clue what that meant, okay? Like, they had no clue what that meant. They just said, I want to experience true community. For others, they say, my gospel community is wonderful. I love how we use just like biblical words and throw them in the mix, and it makes our statement bolstered, right? Like, all right, gospel community, that's great. What does that mean? Not real sure, but they told me that. And so it, it's on a sign out front that I love my gospel community, right? And so I do, and, and I don't really know what that means, but that's what it's about. Or maybe you heard this one, community is all I desire. The reality of it is, is that's true, that community is probably what we desire because God has made us that way. He's made us that way. But when we misplace what it really means to be in true community, we can find false sense and fake imposters of community anywhere we look. We don't have to look very far to know that, hey, this is what community, this is what I think it means to belong to someone or something. And you buy a membership, especially at the gym, and you have not used it since January 15th, right? Or, or maybe your community is you buy those season tickets. I don't know if you've noticed, but season tickets uh, for sporting teams are going up, right? But did you know there's less and less people who are going to actual in-person sporting events? It's a problem for professional sports and college sports. Why are they not going? Is because you can sit at home, your TV has gotten bigger, it's cheaper, and you can eat the food for free at your house and invite people over, and you don't have to fight the traffic. I say that, that community can be found in, in some different ways, but it's not always where God is intended to be. You see, I, I want us to know and want to hear that there is a true, there is truthfully a wonderful, wonderful pursuit of our heart as we pursue God and pursue what it means to be in community. So what I want us to do today is I'm going to have them bring the lights up if they can do that. I need all of you to stand up today, all right? Now, if you brought a Bible, I want you to put it under your arm, okay? If you brought a purse, I want you to throw it over your shoulder, all right? I want you to do that. 
Okay, I'm giving you a chance. Everyone has to do this. This isn't like, oh, I, I don't know if I'm able. you got to get able, okay? you got to get able this morning. Not like Cain and Abel, but be able, all right? Okay? What I want you to do this morning is you're going to move, all right? I want you to go sit by someone that you're not sure, you don't know everything about them. Okay, you don't know anything about them. So you don't have to go sit by someone that you just don't know their name because you're like, I know everybody. That's a lie. But you can do that if you like. Right. But I want you to move and go sit by someone. Go move. You have 45 seconds. It's 957. Go. For some of you, this is like drinking lemonade with no sugar. I get it. All right, you've had 45 seconds. If you've not found a place to sit, I love you. All right? Okay? This is good. Okay, this is good. For some, you said, I'm not moving. They're coming to me. Okay? Right? If you did that, just listen to the rest of the message. All right? Listen to the rest of the message. Today, as we talk about community, you say, well, why is it that we do this? Why did you have me move? Because when we talk about community, I want you to hear this. We're going to talk about this for two weeks, but this needs to be regurgitated, taken in and regurgitated. The gospel community, gospel itself, it's, it's about give and take, not sit and get. Hear this. I think we have this on the screen this morning. Give and take, not sit and get. Right. And you go, I'm good at sitting. I've told this before that our daughter, Gabrielle, when she was little, she came home and asked me, what is a job you get to do when you sit, where you sit? And I, I caught myself and didn't give her my opinion because I knew she'd go back and say, that's what I want to be. And someone was going to come for like, like professional speaker day and be like, my dad said, my dad said, I want to, I can do your job because I want to sit all day. He said, you sit all day, right? And she said, I'm good at sitting. And then she also said, I thought I wanted to be a mom at home like mom does, but I found out she doesn't sit much. Okay. <laughs> But see, the gospel is about give and take, not sit and get. The give and take is not that we compromise what the truth is or compromise what the mission is, but rather we bring something to the table. We're called to bring our whole selves to the game and be willing to take what God offers. Be willing to what others offer up to the table so that we can bring it into ourselves and share it with others. Now see, the problem with sit and get is this, is that we come with an expectation, not just to worship, but to Christianity, to a, to a gospel mission, to the community of believers, and we go, what can it do for me? I, I want to give you a thought here real quick. What if you showed up to your job every day and just said, what can my job do for me? You wouldn't have a job very long, right? If you showed up every day and said, I really think I should, I deserve a raise. For what did you do? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Quite frankly, I haven't been here in four weeks, but quite frankly, I deserve something. The problem with that mentality is not just that it's not gospel-centered, but it's also self-centered. And so therefore, when we see this, that the community that we're going to talk about this next few weeks is about giving and take in an exchange of heart and relationship, not coming in just with an unbridled expectation. You see, if, if we welcome this attitude and heart into our lives, we begin to understand more completely the love of Christ and what truly community is about. It, have you ever shown up to a dinner party before and didn't realize you're supposed to bring something? Did you ever do that? The, the truth is, I think sometimes in the church, we set people up to fail. 
is we tell them, just come be a part of the church. What does that mean? Oh, don't worry about it. Just come. Just, just come. The reality is there is truth in Scripture in Nathaniel, and we see with Nathaniel and Bartholomew and those guys, it's just a come and see mentality. But eventually, it wasn't shortly after that, that they were shown what the expectation was about being a part of a community of believers. You see, uh, uh, there's this, uh, he was a German pastor and theologian during the anti-Nazi movement named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he said this, talking about community, I think we have it. Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and is in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. Whether it is a brief single encounter of the daily fellowship or, or of years, Christian, Christian community is only this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. You hear that? Is that the Christian community is about being in Jesus and through Jesus. Don't miss it. <laughs> That community is relationship with one another under and through the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, Christian community is meant to be Christ-centric. That sounds redundant. But in Western culture, it is not just re- it's not redundant. It's actually a truth that needs to continue to be taught and us understood. Is that community is meant to be Christ-centric. It's more than just a common interest. I say that, that I love getting together with people that are like me. Do you understand that? Like, that's good because everyone likes me, right? I mean, that's what you think about yourself, right? Everyone wants to be around me. I mean, why would you not want to be around me? I love to fish, so I want to hang out with people who loves to fish. I love to go to sporting events and play inflated, inflated prices for candy and drinks. Why does other people not want to do that? If they do, then they want to be like me. See, a common interest community is more of a club than it is a gospel-centered community. You see, we see this, that it's more than just the location we live. Unfortunately, back in the 70s and 80s, many churches were planted based off a neighborhood. Do you hear that? Is it a lot of during that time, do you remember those times when you picked up a phone and it had a cord on it and you spun the dial and you had to go from nine all the way around to dial a nine? Do you, re- do you remember that? And then what did it do on the other side? It rang. It rang. And it rang. And it rang. And it rang. And there was no voicemail. You didn't leave a voicemail. It just rang and rang and you hung up. But at that time, you didn't think they're ignoring me. You just thought they're not home. Right? Or if you dialed it and you picked it up and it went, eh, eh, eh. What does that mean? It was busy. Or if it was busy for a long period of time, you got in your car, you drove to the person's house because you were afraid they left their phone off the hook and something was wrong, right? You're laughing, but you forget about that, right? Is that during those times we had churches that were neighborhood-centric. What I mean by that is if you lived in a three-mile radius, you came to that church. It didn't even really matter what you believed because all the churches believed about Jesus. There was either Protestant movement or there was the Catholic movement. That was your, really your two options. And you had a denominational bend. If you really thought it was a big deal, you went to the Baptist church, Methodist church, or non-denominational church because you didn't like the other ones. Now I want to tell you that somewhere along the way, that is became almost more of what a community was about rather than the centering of Christ. And I want you to know here at Countryside, we're not about where we're located, but we're about who we're for. We're not about our location as we are about who is the center of our community. And that is Jesus Christ. 
You see, when we talk about this, this that, that community is meant to be Christ-centric, I need to go even a step further and hope you understand, and I say this with love. Our Christian community is not merely even what family you're born into. Over the years, I've seen a number of people who leave churches and transfer churches because their family goes to a church. I want to tell you something. I love my family. (laughs) I do. I do. But I also want you to know, too, it's a little different for me because our family doesn't live around here, right? But I did think about this the other day. What if my mom and dad moved to town here and they were choosing a church, right? You know what church they should come to? The good one. I mean, the one, the one that's like really good, right? I mean, like, I'm their son, right? I'm their son. And it clicked with me. Maybe they shouldn't, right? Maybe they shouldn't. And why shouldn't they? I don't know. I had a few thoughts is that I want to make sure that my connection with the Christian community, my parents' connection with a Christ-centered community is Christ-centered and not merely based off DNA or blood type. Now I want you to hear, if we invite our families in, that is a beautiful thing, but hear this clearly. I've seen through the years that so many people have left a church to go be where their kids are at church, or they left a church so their kids wouldn't come to a church, so they left a church to go to a church they thought they were kid, their kids would come to. Guess where their kids didn't go to church with them at? Where they moved to. Why? Because it was about a Christ-centered community, not about the blood type. The issue was is that Christ was not the center of the conversation. You see, what matters is when there's a Christ-centered community and it's Christ-centric and community begins to happen, we understand that it's not just about us gathering together, but Jesus promises He will show up too. In Matthew 18, it tells us this. The words of Jesus. It's coming. It says, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my what? Father in heaven. Look at this last line. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. When you wonder why Jesus doesn't show up with you and brothers and sisters gathered together, can I tell you something? It's not Jesus. It's us. It's us. Because he says where brothers and sisters gather together, two or three gather, he will be, with there, be there also. And some have got wrapped up in the numbers. They said, well, there was four there, so there must have been an extra dose of Jesus, Right? Or maybe you say that community has thousands of people gathered together. Jesus must just be like living in the seats there, right? That's great, except when you flip back to the gospel and the church begins to happen and Jesus sends to heaven and they scatter because they're being persecuted. And they're meeting in caves, hiding and worshiping at night so they would not be killed. I'm going on a limb to tell you they didn't pack thousands into that cave. What they did pack in was a brothers and sisters to pray together And Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, showed up. See, Christ-centered community is something that needs uh, needs to be at the forefront of our thoughts. But also, not just is it Christ-centric, but hear this. Now we need to know what is our responsibility in this community. What is our responsibility as followers of Christ? Because we can live in a pendulum where we say God will take care of everything, and that is very true. But God also has an expectation for you and I as followers of Him. Once again, you cannot show up to your workplace and ask for a paycheck if you've never done anything. You cannot show up to the, Christ, the community of Christ to so be a follower of Jesus and say, Thank you, Jesus. I punched my ticket. I'm, well, I'm, I'm here. A word that, we, that I like to use sometimes is you have to be more than just exist. 
And so a community requires our attend, attention and attendance. Now, when you think of attendance, do you, maybe for some of you that grew up in the church, do you remember when there used to actually be a clipboard that was passed down the rows and you put your name next to it, right, if you were there? Do you, do you remember that? If you, very, if you did not experience it, you didn't miss out on anything, okay? But if you did experience it, if you did experience it, you'll understand this briefly. Is that what that was about was is to make sure you were what? Present. Not necessarily, there wasn't another box that said, how are you doing spiritually? Or what are you bringing to the table of a Christian community? They just wanted to know, we the church just want to know if we were actually there, right? What I loved about that is the church I grew up in was not large in any way, and we knew if someone was not there within uh, 10 minutes, okay? But we still had to have a clipboard that we passed down. And what was uber awkward is if you were a new person there and your name was not on the... Clipboard, right? But what's more awkward, what was more awkward, is those who claim to be part of the Christian community and they would show up and their name was not on the clipboard, right? They're a, quote, member of the community, but quite frankly, their name wasn't on the clipboard, so now there's a tension that's living there. I love what Isaiah, that's recorded in Isaiah 43, 19. Look, about, look what it says of what God is talking about in us and his expectation of him. He says, be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? Right? This, there it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. Now, we want to keep this, don't want to take this out of context. Uh, but in a nutshell, let's put it this way. You can read through Isaiah and you see what God is saying is, don't you get it? I'm about to do something big. And if you don't show up, if you're not around to be witness, you might just miss it. You might just miss it. I love when we were going through the external exterior remodel, there was a lady who had been on vacation. She'd been gone for a few weeks, and she came back, and she pulled up, and this is what she said. I didn't know if I was at the right place. Okay, I didn't know if I was at the right place. Now understand, I'm not talking about painting of a building is the great movement of God, but in as simple of things, physical things is what we usually notice the greatest, their different, the, difference in, the greatest differences in, right? But, but here in Isaiah, it's not speaking of physical things, but rather it's talking about spiritual. Is that God's going to show up and do something big. And I want you to know, when you are not physically present with God and others, we can miss out on the movement of God. Now you say, I, I've heard it. I've heard it all. I want to give you just a quick little, it's not an exhaustive list, but a short list of what it is. I've heard people say where they can experience God and why it is they don't need to be around other Christians. Okay, ready? Here, there's a short little list. I don't come to church all the time because I can experience God in my deer stand. Okay? I've heard that. Might be true. Not saying it's not true. But, but where, remember, where two or three are gathered, God, the Holy Spirit is there also. Right? Had another person say, I'm just not able to come and worship or get into a group because I'm a little bit busy. Right? A little bit busy. I just want a side note here real quick. You don't have to open your Bibles, but just I, I'll give you a small homework assignment. I want you to read through the book of Acts this week, even the first two chapters, and you tell me, you tell me if Peter and John and them weren't a tad busy, right? They were a tad bit busy, right? Running for their lives, learning how to preach because they've never read before off of memory, right? And all the while, people think they're drunk, right? And the only guy that was stood up in their defense said, you know what, he can't be drunk because it's nine in the morning. 
that's not the guy you want defending you, okay? That's not a valid answer, right? Like, that makes no sense. Like, that's not even a reasonable cause not to be intoxicated is at 9 in the morning, right? You see, the other thing I've heard before is that I'm not able, the deer stand, uh, I'm busy, and then the, my favorite, my favorite, is that I just aren't able to really get involved with the church because I just, I don't feel like I belong, okay? I don't feel like I belong. I want you to know something. My wife is sitting up to the front now, and she's going to say later, Nate, you need to be more compassionate. So I put that out there as a caveat, right? I, I want you to know something. In kindergarten, we learned to share. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? You were told to share. Even when you didn't want to share, like you're told to share. When you were three or four years old, you learned to go potty in the what? Potty. Like some of you are like, I think that's one of you. Okay, potty. Yes, the bathroom. Use the restroom properly. When you're younger than that, you learn to eat with a what? A fork or a spoon, and you learn to feed yourself. Now understand something, my children at home requires my wife or I, many of the younger ones, the older ones are starting to catch on on their own, <laughs> but the younger ones you have to actually cook food and put it on their tray for them, right? But I want to let you know, very seldom, even two-year-old boys, do my, does my wife take a fork and still feed them. You hear me? And the reason why that is, is because there has to come a point that they eat on their, on their own. We want this to be a place that you belong. You feel connected, that it's a Christ-centered community. But hear me, church, hear me with great clarity. There does come a point you have to pick up the fork and scoop it yourself. And that doesn't mean we don't help prepare the food. It doesn't mean we don't help walk in it and give, give meat over milk. But there does come a moment when you have to go, I'm not going to wear a spiritual diaper. I'm not going to drink the spiritual bottle. Instead, I'm going to come to the table and admit what I don't know, admit what I struggle with, and walk alongside others in agreement with what? The Holy Spirit and not one another. You see, this morning's message, you're probably thinking, I moved to other seats and now we're talking about this and I'm sitting next to people that I don't really know. This made this uber awkward, okay? This is the beautiful part of it. Lastly, it's not on the screen, so I want you to take your phone. I want you to take a pen. I want you to write this down. This is, as the band comes, we'll wrap this up. Christ community, the community of Christ, is always meant to focus on others, not ourselves. Always. And we could get into a bunch of scripture if you'd like, but I'm going to shoot it straight in just a very clear, concise way. When Jesus went to the cross, he never thought of himself. I believe that. I believe if he did, and think of his, or maybe the better way to phrase it is, he never put himself in front of others. As when Christ went to the cross, he looked around to the people down below, knowingly, scripture says, that they were going to run and desert him. The men and women that he invested almost three years in, his mother who is standing there weeping, who if you remember the nativity story, rode on a donkey at a, teen at a teenage year escaping so that her son, that she would still be married to Joseph, but then also had to escape the killing of Herod and all the, all the babies. She's standing there, and he knows his brother James, who we're told in Scripture doubted him on the deepest of levels and didn't come to follow him until after the resurrection. And then, just, then he writes a letter at the end of the Scripture, right? In the New Testament. Is that Jesus didn't have the mentality of what is it that's best for me, but rather what is it that's in the greatest mindset of the kingdom of God. You see, this is why this together event, some of you are still going, I can't believe we're paying six bucks to come to an event, right? 
I want you to hear something. I can't take my wife out for dinner for six bucks, right? I can't. Did you know that? Try taking, go out on a date for 12 bucks, guys. Let me know where you went, okay, right? Not even come and go. Do you know they have $2.99 for two hot dogs and a soda? By the time you get done, you're going to buy some candy. It's going to be over 12 bucks, right? It's not about $6. But notice there's an option to scholarship or invite somebody else in. Because we as a church will always use resources and everything that God has given us to look at others before ourselves. So this morning as you stand, and you're standing or sitting next to a few people that maybe you've said hello to once before. Go ahead and stand. Stand again. You don't have to move again. Don't worry. Don't worry. All right? Is that you're standing or sitting by somebody that you at least decided, hey, I'm going to act like I don't know. Okay? Like that's, that's what you did. Right? Like, like, that guy up front has no clue whether I know them or not. I'm going to act like I don't know them and just be like, just act like we don't know each other, okay? If you're doing that, well, God forgive you, okay, right? But, but I'm going to assume that you probably don't know the person or a couple at least as well as you do someone else, okay? And I share this with you. Before we pray, before we pray, I want you just to ask the people their name. I don't know if you've even done that yet, right? I want you to say, what is your name? That's a really easy conversation. Try it now. Give it a go. What's your name? Now, when they ask you a question, you need to give a response. Okay, right? What is your name? And then you say, my name is... <laughs> this is great. I wish I had a camera. Because there's some people who are like this. <laughs> He's serving his talk again. Right? What I want you to do, church, is I'm going to pray, and then we're going to give some time to just pray silently. As we bow our heads and I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask you to pray for that person that you just met, or you know by them by name. Because when we talk about now and later, the relationships we have based and founded and centralized around Christ is not just about today, it's about eternity. And we're going to talk about that next week. And I want you to know that for some of you, you're going, man, I just to pray for somebody, that's difficult. I'm not asking you to pray out loud. It's okay, okay. I want you to remember to pray for them this week. That's your homework assignment. And why is that? Because this church is going to be a church that continues to grow to have Christ at the center of it. And that requires us to do things we feel a little uncomfortable with. But it always, always will require us to look to Jesus first. I'm thankful for the church God has given us. Let us continue to focus on him and being the center of all that we think and all that we do. We bow with me as we pray. Father, we come to you. And Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. God, we thank you that he came and demonstrated what it means to live around, <clears throat> around a common core, a common purpose, a common value, a common vision, a belief structure that says, you know what? You are, Father, the center of all things. <clears throat> and let us understand that more clearly. Let us be more convicted of that, that the side, the side shows, the side things we take in and say, hey, I think that maybe fits my structure of belief. God, let our structure of belief be you and only you. Let us set legalism on a table, on a shelf far away and say, God, we're, we're going to walk where you want us to walk. We're going to engage others where you want us to, where you need us to engage others. And Father, here in this place, as we take a moment to pray for the people that are next to us, pray for them by name. Father, will you let us pray for them with the, deep, with the deepest of hearts, the deepest of thoughts, that we want to entrust our brothers and sisters in Christ to you, 
but we also want to uh, want you to and we thank you because you've entrusted them to us so father let us pray for them by name in this moment as we spend time doing that father let us let us be focused on you God, you're good. God, you're good. In your son's name we pray. And the church said, 